Hi, everybody. This is Chris. One of my favorite holiday traditions is cozying up around a nice warm fire on a cold night and reading classic Christmas stories like A Visit from St. Nicholas and How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Recently, I came upon a sadly forgotten celebration that occurs around this time of year, so I wrote my own children's story of sorts. I hope you enjoy my contribution to the canon of Christmas classics. Come here, children. Sit by the fire and warm yourselves. Okay, Grandpa. Coming, Grandpa. Yay! Before we sit down to our feast of leftover kivik, buckle how, smell a hove, and wash it down with our festive jolmust, it's important to talk about why we celebrate this day. Does anyone know why? Is it because it's the first day of the year? Yes, today we are welcoming the gift of a fresh new year into our lives. But this day has a much more special meaning. Grandpa? Yes, my dear? Everyone thinks your kivik is the best, but your smaller hoof is my favorite part of the holidays. Why, thank you, my dear. I always take great care in making it for you. I make sure I always use the freshest lamb's head I can find, and insist on torching the skin and fleece off myself over an open wood fire before removing the brain and then soaking and brining it for two whole days before cooking it. That is the only way I can guarantee that my smalahove will be the best you've ever had. Thank you, Grandpa. You are so very welcome. I love you all so much. We love you we too, We love Grandpa. you too, Grandpa. Grandpa. Now, children, I've invited Uncle Chris to read you all a story that explains why today is such a special day. Kindly say hello to Uncle Chris. Hi, Uncle Chris. Hi, Uncle Chris. Hi, guys. I brought one of my favorite books 
from when I was a kid to read you. My grandfather used to read this book to me on the first day of the year when I was young, and it's what taught me all about why January 1st is such an important day. I'm really happy I can share it with you because today is my favorite holiday. Yay! It's called the Feast of the Holy Prepuce. <clears throat> we'll start with the tale of No Room at the Inn and of a mother whose labor was just about to begin. So they had to find a new spot to stay, preferably warm with a manger where the new baby could lay. After his birth, people came from afar. They came from afar, drawn by a large star. So these magi showed up with some gifts that they gave. But were you aware this whole thing took place in a cave? This baby wasn't born in shed stable or stall. This baby was born in a cave, just a hole in the wall. As for the rest of the story, you know how it goes. This is a story that most everyone knows. So perhaps this narrative might sound like old news. This account of the birth of the king of the Jews. But this isn't the tale of his birth in that crater. This is the story of what happened eight days later. As stated before, this child was a Jew. And Jews have this ritual thing that they do. Eight days after a male child is born, the skin round the tip of his dick it is shorn. For the Jews, the skin really has no use. It's called a prepatium foreskin or prepuce. Uncle Chris? Yes? Why do they want to cut the baby's penis? Oh, my dear, you have to have patience. That's actually about to be explained right now. Anybody else have any questions? No. no. Okay. Well, then let's save all the questions till the end. Okay, okay, Uncle Chris. Okay, Uncle Chris. <clears throat> for the Jews, the skin really has no use. Color paper, potty, for it's going to be But why clip the skin around the tip of his rod? It's removed to prove his covenant with God. You see, a long time ago, said God to old Abe, in order to keep this pact that we've made, you, your servants, and all of your kin must immediately trim your foreskin. So Abe followed suit, and so did his crew, in order to show they were God's chosen few. That's how this baby found himself in this cave. People crowded round to give his prick a good shave. Only eight days since he started his life, sliced by the tip of a sharpened stone knife. And Moyle, who hopefully was skilled at his craft, cleaved this little piece of skin from the shaft. Now, there are some questions surrounding this act on that day. For you see, there are some people who say, this child wasn't really part of that clan. This child was God dressed up like a man. So couldn't this pact made with God be ignored, since he himself was really the Lord? Some scholars believe it was just part of his ruse, so he could fit in with the rest of the Jews. Some others believe that it was part of the deal. He did it to prove that his body was real, because there would be those who doubted he suffered at all while he hung on the cross and gave Elijah a call. So he needed to have the foreskin removed, so this body of flesh and blood could be proved. Or maybe being born as a mortal he saw, he wasn't allowed to break his own law. Whatever the reason, the scholars all say, the salvation of man began on that day. This moment started his suffering and loss, and would eventually end with his death on the cross. That blood that was spilled from the fresh-cut foreskin 
was the mark that man's freedom from sin could begin. Now, what happened to this ribbon of flesh, you may wonder? This tiny little piece of skin torn asunder? Once it's trimmed away, to make the head nice and round, generally this skin is put in the ground. But there in the cave was an Esau with a box. She did something odd, quite unorthodox. She felt that this little foreskin deserved... deserved maybe to be preserved? So she took it straight from the hand of the moil and popped it right into this box filled with oil. She gave this box to her son the next morning. She gave this box to her son with a warning. You won't sell this box if you have any sense. Not even if someone offers 300 pence. What happened to this box? No one can say. But it might have appeared one apocryphal day. When Mary the sinner poured out the oil with care onto Jesus' head, then cleaned it off with her hair. But then what became of the skin in the box? No one's sure till eight centuries passed on the clocks. The foreskin was lost. Lost till the reign of the King of the Franks, the great Charlemagne. How did he come by this foreskin, you wonder? Maybe it was part of his Jerusalem plunder. Maybe from an angel while he knelt in pray. Maybe it was a gift on his wedding day. But did he keep this holy skin? Nope. He took it to Rome to give to the Pope. You see, Pope Leo III had fled Rome in great fear when some guys tried to kill him the previous year. Maybe he wouldn't really have been killed by these guys. They just wanted to cut out his tongue and gouge out his eyes. So the Pope went to Charlemagne to see what help he could lend. The Pope hoping Charlemagne would become his new friend. Charlemagne told Leo, I'll help exile your foe. So we traveled to Rome with the foreskin in tow. In Rome, he helps heal the Catholic Church rift. And the foreskin becomes the Pope's Christmas gift. The Pope was so taken by this pious display that he made Charlemagne emperor on Christmas Day. But there are some that say that prepuce was a fraud, that it wasn't really the foreskin of God. He did have the foreskin, but that wasn't it. What he gave to the Pope was a counterfeit. The real foreskin could be, perchance, the one he gave to an abbey in France. So which prepuce is real? We don't know. Could be the Vatican's or the one in Chirot. And these weren't the only two in the authenticity race. New foreskins were popping up all over the place. There were so many foreskins showing up on the scene. How many churches had one? No less than 18. People said these foreskins could miraculously heal. And Agnes Bland Beckin said it made a great meal. Ew. Huh? She ate the foreskin? Actually, she did over a hundred times. Or at least she thinks she did. She said it was incredibly sweet. It's actually not that odd. Christians practice ritual cannibalism all the time. Now, where was I? Uh, Agnes Blaine Beckins said it made a great meal. Okay. The accounts of these foreskins were so wide and varied, one saint even claimed her and Christ became married. St. Catherine said Jesus married her and gave her his foreskin to wear on her hand. Oh, and after Henry V and Catherine Valios wed... They insisted on having it that night in their bed. Yes, having sex on the foreskin seems pretty wild, but they thought it might help with conceiving a child. So, with everyone claiming their foreskin was it, who could ever know which one was legit? Well, according to a vision from St. Bridget the Swede, the one in Rome was the real one indeed. But, some scholars said there was no foreskin supply. Jesus took it with him on his ascent to the sky. Leo Eladius said it was none of these things. It went into space and became Saturn's rings. 
This odd assertion most people denied. They claimed Christ grew a new one after he died. After his resurrection, some people say his foreskin grew back three sizes that day. If this is true, then the theory would stand that the original foreskin was back here on land. Then in 1527, Rome was attacked, and the prepuce was stolen as Rome was ransacked. The soldier that stole it, this big German brute, took off back north with the foreskin as loot. But the soldier was caught while traveling home. He was caught in Calcutta on his way home from Rome. And there in Calcutta, the holy foreskin stayed. It stayed in Calcutta and was proudly displayed. The priests of Calcutta, they did promenade the holy prepuce in their New Year's parade. And pilgrims flocked to it to get souvenirs of a papal indulgence lasting ten years. It was loved in Calcutta. It was highly revered until 1983 when it disappeared. It was hidden in a closet, concealed by some clothes. Who could have taken it? Nobody knows. Maybe it was sold by the local priest. Maybe stolen by people who worshipped the beast. But the people of Calcutta, they make a claim. They insist the Vatican's to blame. If the Vatican took it, some people say they did it to protect God's DNA from those who would test it so they could reveal if this foreskin was in fact the real deal. Or maybe there's those that want to sow some discord. Maybe there's those that want to clone a new lord. But for now, all we know is that the foreskin is gone and we do what we must to try to move on. So as our story ends, I want to remind that Jesus was circumcised for the good of mankind. For the sins of mankind began to be stripped when little baby Jesus' penis was clipped. That's why we gather for this New Year's Day feast. And remember, through this foreskin, our sins were decreased. So let's raise our glasses with shouts of good cheer and give thanks to the Holy Prepuce at the dawn of this year. The end. Yay! Yay! Uh, Uncle Chris? Yes? Should I cut my foreskin off too so God will love me? Only if you want to, Billy. Only if you want to. Now let's say we eat. Yeah! Happy Feast of the Circumcision, everyone. Happy, Happy Feast, Feast of, of the, the Circumcision, Uncle Chris. Hi, everybody. This is Chris. And this is Rain. And we are coming at you for the last time this year. It's been a really long year. It has been a really long year, but it's been a productive year as well. And we really appreciate you sticking with the Dirty Talk podcast for the last year. It means a lot to us. I hope you enjoyed my holiday offering <laughs> this year. I just have to say that I honestly think it's one of the coolest things you have ever done. It is totally unique. I've, I mean, there's nothing else like it. And you worked really, really hard on it. I've tried to write in rhyme. That is not easy. It was difficult. And it's shorter than our normal episodes. But I did take a long time researching and writing this piece. 
And the Feast of the Holy Circumcision is a real Christian holiday that takes place on January 1st. I encourage you all to go and look it up. It is real. I didn't make it up. And it was celebrated a lot more in the early church. Everything in the story that I wrote is as historically accurate as possible. Well, at least as historically accurate as you can get when you're dealing with biblical things. Indeed, the Bible is well known for its historical accuracy. If you want to see all the links for the research I did for this podcast, they can be found on our website, dirtytalkpodcast.com, as well as the links to all previous episodes. As usual, I had way more information than I could ever fit into an episode or even fit into a long rhyme. You did make it hard on yourself by insisting on sticking on a rhyme pattern. The information is all accurate, but the the rhyming is where you definitely challenged yourself. But that's half of the fun is setting up a challenge for yourself and just seeing where you can go with it. If you want to learn more about the circumcision of Christ or Christ's foreskin, I invite you to join us for our Dirty Talk After Hours episodes. We do a Dirty Talk After Hours every week on our Patreon. And for every one of these regular podcasts we come out with, we have a follow-up episode where we present all the additional information that we have found that will come out in a couple weeks if you want to learn more about the foreskin, because I have so much more to say on this topic. It's patreon.com backslash dirty talk podcast. Become a patron and join us for our weekly after hours. And if you are a patron and you're listening right now, we want to wish you a very, very happy holidays to you and yours. I also want to give a huge shout out to Rolf Hansen and his wives and the new kid. We hope that you are doing well. Thank you so much for the support. Also, one last thing. If you do appreciate what we're doing and want to give us a Christmas present, please rate and review this podcast wherever you get your podcasts. That would be the best Christmas present ever. So that's... All for this year from us at the Dirty Talk Podcasts. Enjoy your holiday season, and we'll catch up to you next year. Over and out, my friends. Bye.